Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, October 20th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. Back on the campaign trail, President Trump blasting Anthony Fauci, one of his top coronavirus advisors, calling him, quote, an idiot. This as more than 220,000 people are now dead. A new surge in cases rising in the Midwest. And the Supreme Court taking on immigration, two major issues will be heard, even as Republicans continue to try to confirm a new justice to the high court. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with this. Coronavirus cases are on the rise across the country as the 2020 race enters the home stretch. The pandemic and the economy continue to be top issues as early voting is in full swing. Andrea Linares has more details. Election Day 2020 is just two weeks away and more than 31 million Americans have cast their ballots early. Both candidates trying to appeal to voters. We're going to win. I wouldn't have said that three weeks ago. I promise you, I'll work as hard for those who don't support me as those who did. President Trump saying voters are tired of hearing about the pandemic. People are pandemic out. You know that? They're pandemic out. The president rallying in Prescott and Tucson, Arizona, another battleground state where coronavirus cases are on the rise. The packed crowd mostly without masks. Trump's latest target is the nation's leading infectious disease expert. Sometimes he says things that are a little bit off and they get built up, unfortunately. But he's a nice guy. I like him. But he's called a lot of bad calls. He said, don't wear a mask. And he said, don't ban China. And I can't help thinking that we're really, you know, going through a time that's disturbingly anti-science uh, in certain segments of our society. That's very troublesome to me. The president on a phone call with his campaign staff from Las Vegas slamming Dr. Fauci. Every time he goes on television, there's always a bomb, but there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. But Fauci's a disaster. I mean, this guy's, if I listened to him, we'd have 500,000 deaths. However, some of the president's allies are coming to Fauci's defense. Republican Senator Lamar Alexander tweeting, if more Americans paid attention to his advice, we'd have fewer cases of COVID-19 and it would be safer to go back to school and back to work and out to eat. Biden is now off the campaign trail as he prepares for the final presidential debate this Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee. Meanwhile, former President Barack Obama is expected to start campaigning for Biden in the coming days. The Commission on the Presidential Debates announced candidates will be given two minutes to answer questions. When one candidate speaks, the other's microphone will be muted, but both microphones will be left on during follow-up discussions. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court said on Monday that Pennsylvania officials can receive ballots as late as three days after Election Day, as long as they are postmarked by November 3rd. Edwin Pitti has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Hi, Carolina. It is definitely a win for Democrats in Pennsylvania in a split decision the justices in the Supreme Court rejected the GOP's argument that mail-in ballots received after Election Day should not be counted. As it stands, in Pennsylvania, ballots will be counted if officials get them within three days of Election Day, even if they do not have a legible postmark. 
The ruling makes clear that the state can count absentee ballots received as late as the Friday after Election Day, as long as they are postmarked by November 3rd. This is what Pennsylvania's Attorney General said about the decision. The voters here in Pennsylvania deserve clarity and confidence in an election that's already underway, where we've had more than a million Pennsylvanians already go to the polls and exercise their right to vote. Look, time and time again, the president and his enablers have tried to make it actually harder for people to vote here in Pennsylvania. And time and time again, I've told the people of Pennsylvania that I would secure and protect their vote, and we've beaten them in court just to be able to do that. Republicans were arguing that it is up to the state's legislator and not the court to set the rules to how elections are conducted. They also said that this decision will allow ballots cast after election days to be counted, but that is not what the ruling says. This was a four-by-four four decision. The court's most conservative justices, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Clarence Thomas, said they would have agreed with the request made by Republicans, but it was Chief Justice John Roberts who joined the court's three most liberal members to reject the request. The time of this decision, Carolina, is unprecedented. We are talking about an election that is only three weeks away. But the important is key because in Pennsylvania, many voters are expected to cast their vote by mail because of the coronavirus pandemic. This ruling definitely protects the vote of millions, but it could also delay results in key states. Yesterday, a state court of appeals in North Carolina said the state can count ballots that arrive as late as November 12, as long as they are postmarked by Election Day while a federal court of appeals in Michigan ruled that mail-in ballots have to be received by Election Day. Live in Washington, D.C., Carolina, back to you. Thank you for that report, Edwin Pitti. And so far, more than 31 million votes have already been cast, and many experts are expecting to see a record turnout from Latino voters as well. Joining me now is Hector Sanchez Barba. He's the executive director of Mi Familia Vota, a nonprofit organization working to motivate Latinos to vote. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Carolina. Now, what do we know so far about the Latino voting participation in this cycle? It has been great. We have seen a drastic increase, especially on early vote uh, all over the nation. And it has been an amazing experience. And this really shows that when we are committed to get out to vote, uh, the Latino community comes out in historical numbers. Something that we have seen in the first round of numbers is that 8.3% of the new voters are Latinos and new voters in comparison to 3.4% of uh, the general voters and also white voters. So we can see that there is a lot of interest in the community. People are coming out to vote. We have an 800 actually with Univision is 8133 Votamos. The lines have been ringing for the last couple of months constantly asking for information especially when we have been hearing a lot of misinformation coming from different spaces. Now, Hector, Latinos have been specifically affected by the pandemic, both financially and health-wise. Can this affect their participation? Yeah, we are the community that has been affected the most by COVID, and we know that as an organization, and we have been providing resources and information. But the message that I have for everybody in the nation we have been suffering the most in the last four years from attacks and exclusion of policy priorities. I know and I understand because this is what we're doing on organization that COVID is a top priority for everybody. But that doesn't mean that we have to skip participating in civic participation. There is a direct correlation between participating in this democracy 
and the benefits that we get in our communities, in our schools, for our children now and in the future. This is the most important election in our history. Please, everybody, let's participate. Now, you were talking about the misinformation. Latino voters in South Florida are reportedly being bombarded with incorrect misinformation in Spanish. Can you talk to us about how this is impacting the vote in those communities? There is a lot of misinformation all over the nation coming from the White House and coming from different infrastructures that are trying to increase fear and misinformation in our community. This is why the work of Mi Familia Vota is so important. We are providing information on everything, how to participate in the democracy. We have seen that in, in Florida a lot, Carolina, something that misguides people on policy priorities, etc. We as an organization have been working on this issue for more than 20 years. We are providing voter guides. Actually, in the last two weeks, we are providing information for everybody to understand what are the policy priorities of both candidates. We provide information on how to vote early, how to vote by mail, how to register to vote. Depending on where you are, you can still register to vote. It's by state. But we have all this information in our website, adminfamiliavota.org, and in our social media. It's the point that I want to make very clear. It doesn't take that long to go to a trusted organization like us and others in the community to really look for the information that you need. Uh, so just spend a little bit of time and vote in this critical election. Now, the last debate is Thursday. What do both candidates need to do to motivate Latino voters? We need to talk about our issues. It's an, a national embarrassment that we haven't seen anything related to issues that affect the Latino community, like immigration. So we have been putting a lot of pressure. Uh, for example, in the Biden campaign, I spoke with Biden in, in a town hall, and he committed to, do, to stop deportations, to have immigration reform in the first 100 days. We invited the White House and President Trump to talk to us. In the last four years, he hasn't talked to any Latino leaders, any serious Latino leaders. We're very concerned. We want policy priorities. We want them to be very clear, and we want to understand how they're going to deliver on those policy priorities. And that is why Mi Familia Vota is so important, because we have a voter guide to really highlight the differences between Biden and, and Donald Trump when it comes to the policy priorities that are critical for the Latino community. Thank you so much, Hector Sanchez Barba with Familia Vota for your time today. Muchas gracias, Carolina. A ti, muchas gracias. Ahora, for more information on how to make your mark on this election, you can always visit univision.com slash vote with me. And remember, your vote always counts. In other top news we are tracing, six Russian military officers have been charged with a cyber attack on several major foreign powers. The charges Monday allege some of the most consequential political attacks levied in the Kremlin since its efforts to intervene in the 2016 U.S. election. The U.S. Justice Department says the military officers blacked out thousands of computers in the U.S., France, Korea, and other countries. The six Russian military officers are wanted and assumed to be in Russia. And the Justice Department is filing a lawsuit today alleging that Google has been abusing its dominance in online search to impact competition and harm consumers. The litigation marks the government's most significant act to protect competition since its groundbreaking case against Microsoft more than 20 years ago. The suit could be a beginning of other major government actions targeting tech companies.
The number of cases of coronavirus continues to grow. Just yesterday, more than 58,000 infections were recorded. The Midwest is seeing the biggest outbreak. In places like El Paso, authorities are reporting a 500% increase in cases. Lorraine Casares has more details. More than 58,000 new coronavirus cases reported on Monday, 40% more infections than last Monday. In many of our locations, up to half of these people have no known source of exposure. It's, that's how much virus is floating around in our communities right now. 14 states have seen peak hospitalizations over the last week. Several of those states in the Midwest, like Wisconsin and Utah, where the average daily case count has more than doubled since the summer months. The state reported nearly 1,200 new cases on Monday, with a test positivity rate of more than 15%. I don't know what the end is. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it's been a vaccine, you know, in mid, late 2021. Um, but it's hard to be optimistic about people even taking a vaccine when they won't wear a mask. I mean, the, the, there's so much that can be done by our leaders and they're just not doing it. In Kansas, 10 patients dying in this nursing home after an outbreak spread to all 62 patients in the facility and several staff members. And as cases rise across Illinois, some areas could face new restrictions. Chicago's mayor issuing this warning. Make no mistake, we are in the second surge. Down south in Mississippi, the governor reimposing mask mandates in nine counties after letting them expire a few weeks ago. And in Texas, El Paso seeing a surge, treating by far the most patients since the pandemic began. So in the last two weeks, we have seen a very sharp increase in positive cases. Uh, to about 500% increase. Up in the Northeast, New Jersey's governor encouraging residents not to travel after recent increases. This is not just a Northeast thing. It's not just a blue state thing. It's an American challenge at the moment, and it's real. This as out west, the governor of California announcing an 11-person panel to independently review a potential vaccine. These experts, again, will independently review and monitor any vaccine trials uh, to guarantee the safety, to guarantee the equity, and to guarantee the transparency of the distribution of our vaccines. And now the CDC rolling out yet another recommendation saying anyone riding public transportation should in fact wear a mask when doing so, something that is already required in many states. Carolina, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that information. Now, negotiators on Capitol Hill are facing a fast-approaching deadline to reach an agreement on a new stimulus package. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said today as the deadline for reaching a coronavirus relief deal with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. The measure will face tough opposition in the Senate. House Democrats favor a $1.8 trillion spending proposal. The one backed by the Senate Republicans is $500 billion. Democrats would need 13 Republican senators to join them to get the larger package approved, which may be unlikely. The Supreme Court is set to review the poor conditions affecting asylum-seeking families sent back to Mexico under the Migrant Protection Protocol program, as well as the use of military funds to build the border wall. Legal experts believe that this could be the beginning of a significant reversal of President Donald Trump's immigration policies. 
Migrant families awaiting a U.S. court hearing in a Mexican camp describe their ordeal. We deal with lots of heat, mice, spiders, roaches and mud, Ismaira Castro says. According to immigration attorney Alex Martinez, the MPP has been a failure. It is beyond stressful, it is beyond frustrating. Families call, you know, their attorneys, they call their um, the nonprofit organization that is helping them and they're looking for answers and unfortunately we don't have the answers. Activists believe that the 2020 U.S. general elections could also help to reverse Trump's policies. We have that opportunity right now when we go to the ballot box, and that's what we need to take advantage of. Constitutional attorney Joseph Malouf thinks that the Supreme Court could curb U.S. border policies. The Constitution is clear. The power to determine how to use the government's money is reserved for Congress and not for the president. So let's see what comes after the Supreme Court's decision, Malouf says. And while the border wall construction continues, landowners are also pushing for legal action to prevent its expansion. Whether it is residential, commercial, or any other type of land, that at the very least, if the government wants to take the land from, from private owners, uh, that they should pay the right price. U-News asked the Department of Homeland Security for a statement related to the U.S. Supreme Court announcement, and it still has not gotten a response. In McAllen, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U-News. More of U-News after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Meanwhile, in New York, a new plastic, a new ban on plastic shopping bags is going into effect. Blanca Rosaviches has more details. Starting this week, the plastic bags are a thing of the past in New York State. I feel great because I know that the plastic bags is not... Um, doing uh, something worse in the planet and I feel more comfortable using uh, these bags uh, so I know that it's very helpful for our communities. Clients in supermarkets or any other stores are required to bring their bags or purchase one made of paper for five cents. According to the sanitation department, New York uses around 23 billion plastic bags annually most of them end up in the rivers or on the streets. That, of course, has to change. The law was approved seven months ago, but delayed because of the pandemic. Andrea is 23 and very aware of the damage plastic bags do to the planet. The bags that I usually take with me is personal bags. They are already buy it. Uh, it's not this kind of bag, uh, bags, but um, yeah, I do a little bit more conscious of what I'm doing now than before because I want to save the planet. It's exactly the message government officials want everyone to understand. In New York, Blanca Rosa Vilches, U News.
Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then. <laughs>